Welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. If you need prayer or just someone to talk with, please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church. Someone from our team will be sure to connect with you. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. I am so glad to be with you. My name is Pastor Jim. I'm the lead pastor here of Atmosphere Church, and we are just so delighted that you made a decision to come and visit us and and be a part of our community today. And like I always say, showing up is half the battle. So you know what? You're already halfway to your victory just by showing up. Would you just tell that to your neighbor? Say, you're halfway to your victory. We need to be encouraged on that. Now, I, I got to meet several new faces uh, as you guys were coming in. So I know if you're brand new, uh, you're, you're stepping into a conversation that we've been having for several weeks about this subject called love. And it's a very overused word, but it's very much underlived out. And so we're kind of unpacking the biblical description of this word, because it's in our Bibles. And if you've attended some wedding ceremonies in your life, you are familiar with this chapter of the Bible. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you can get them out. You can open up your smartphone and get your Bible app open. But we will put this scripture on the screen for you because we've been covering it every week in this uh, series. Last week, I took the Sunday off and I just wanted to soak in the word with you guys because we have so much going on. I want to give some props to Pastor Phil in the back for bringing the word. That God is up to making all things new. I love that word, but we're jumping back into love because we believe as a church that if we're going to get down anything with what it means to be a follower of Jesus, we have to get this point down right, and that is to become outrageous lovers. So we're unpacking this so much and in so much detail, but let's read this. It says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Isn't that a great description of love? Now, now what I love about talking about love is that if I were to just ask the average person that is here at church today, like, do you consider yourself a person that loves people well? Most people will answer by saying yes. Yeah, I, I consider myself as a lover of people. But as you start kind of unpacking this description, we might have to pause a little bit before we answer that question because, I mean, right out the gate, it says love is patient. Some of us are like already disqualified, right? (laughs) Love is kind. I wasn't too kind this week. But now we're switching gears with this third description of love. 
And it's not talking about how, what love is. It's talking about what love is not. It says love does not envy. Your version, your translation that you're reading from may have the word jealous there. But they kind of both intertwine in meaning. And so a lot of uh, different translations use the word jealous and envy to kind of basically describe the same thing. In other words, you don't have something, somebody else has it, and you're really upset at that person for having what you want. That, that's the best way I can describe kind of what envy is. And, and so as we think about what Paul is saying, and as we think about our view of how we're loving people, some of us got to be honest with ourselves and say, I'm, I'm not really being the outrageous lover that Christ has called me to be. I, I need some improvement on this. And this is why we're taking so many weeks on unpacking this because we want to get this down right. So this is a classroom of how to become an outrageous lover. And you might as well just call me the love doctor. All right. <laughs> Because we're going we're gonna to get into this. See, that was weird. Um, <laughs> welcome to Atmosphere Church, all right? So, so as, we, as we look at this, love is not envy. I will tell you, most people will tell you that they probably don't struggle with envy. Matter of fact, you, you might say, well, if we're talking about envy today, I'm gonna tune you out because I don't have a problem in this area. Let me tell you, I think we all have problems with envy. But it's one of those issues that I believe kind of fly under the radar screen compared to all of the other things that kind of grab our attention and kind of tell us that we have issues going on in our life. It's like that thing that we have that we can't see in the mirror, but other people can see it on us. I don't know if you've ever been flipping through the, the television channels lately on cable TV and, and you've seen some of the shows that are out there. I don't know how, how many of you have ever like been flipping channels or, or just reading the description on the guide going, how is this even a show? <laughs> like naked and afraid. <laughs> like who watches these shows? Here's another one. Real Housewives of Orange County, of New York City, of Atlanta. I'm like, there's Real Housewives everywhere popping up. And, it, and it's like, wow, that's a show. Wor worst cooks in America. Someone's like, I need to be on that show. Um, Temptation Island. Here's one, Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club. Now, the, the reason I'm kind of reading, these are real TV shows. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because somebody's got to be watching them. Or else they wouldn't be a television show. So, they, you know, they're watching them, but they're not really advertising to their friends like, yeah, I, I watch Temptation Island or yeah, I watch The Real Housewives. See, I think envy is something maybe we struggle with, but we, we kind of want to not let anybody else know about it. Or maybe we don't talk about it because we don't think it's a big deal. But yet the Bible spends a lot of time talking about the dangers of having envy in our lives. Check this proverb out. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So in other words, envy is to the soul what cancer is to the body. 
It just kind of gets in there and it festers and it just starts eating you from the inside out. One author said it this way. He said, envy is the number one thing no one has, but yet we all seem to deal with it in a, in a way or, or two. Here's the New Testament passage about a warning on envy in James chapter three. I believe the book of James is the most practical Christian living book that is in our Bibles. James 3, verses 14 through 16. But if you harbor bitter, what church? Bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and check this out, demonic. Demons are involved with the practice of envy. And it says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So the evil practices that you see not only in your own personal lives, but you see demonstrated in other people's lives, it's rooted possibly in the subject of envy. I was reading some articles this last month. Some of you don't know the narrative of my story, but the, the last community outreach assignment that I had in the city of Las Vegas was the mass shooting there. And the next month after the shooting, uh, we transitioned to begin this new campus. And unbeknownst to me, two months into this new church, that we would be front and center on a mass shooting here in our community of Thousand Oaks literally right across the street from where we meet here at the golf course. And, and so I'm, I'm just in this space that probably not too many pastors in America can say that they pastored two separate communities on, on two separate mass shootings. And here I was and trying to navigate like what is going on? And so I'm reading all of this information about what is causing the breakdown of our culture that, that we're having all of these mass shootings. And, and one article in particular really uh, grabbed my attention because it had to do more with the school shootings than the mass shootings that, that we've heard about in, in other situations. But school shootings in particular with teenagers, the narrative that we've been told over the last 10 years that a lot of the school shootings have been rooted in bullying. But the new article that came out after much research has been done and many of these shooters on the high school level didn't come from bullying, but it came from envying. They saw students on the campus that didn't necessarily bully them, but had things that they didn't have in their lives. And so they turn violent. Matter of fact, the root Greek word for envy is to burn with zeal, to be heated or to boil with hatred and anger. When envy gets a hold of your life, it can do all kinds of toxic things. Foster discontentment and distress, lead your life with resentment and bitterness towards other people, destroy relationships, cause us to do things we wouldn't normally do and even spiral us into depression as we see possibly somebody else experiencing the life that we've always wanted to experience ourselves. I like T.D. Jakes' quote on envy. He says, envy enslaves its landlord. I like that. There is a verse in the Bible that really gives us the ability to test where we're at with envy. You wanna take the test this morning? All right, check this out. It's found in Romans chapter 12, 
verse 15. Here's the test. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. You say, Pastor, how is that a test? Here's the test. It's easy to mourn with people that are mourning. In other words, you can be sad when all kinds of trouble and, and terrible tragedy is breaking out in somebody's life. You're there with them. You feel bad for them. You want to you, you help them and, and you want to cry with them. But on the same kind of breath, if they're rejoicing, if they have favor breaking out in their life, can you still celebrate the favor like you mourn with their trouble? When you see God seeming to supernaturally bless them financially, when, when you see God supernaturally maybe blessing relationships in their life and their marriage and, and their kids or, or whatever, their, their job, and you're sitting there and looking at your own life going, I, I, don't, I don't see that stuff happening in my life. Can you still rejoice with them? Even though you don't see that stuff happening in your life. And if you can't, that is an indicator that envy is at work inside of your soul in situations. Here, here's another way of putting it. Think of something that you've been really wanting to happen for your life or with your life. Just think of it. And maybe this morning it's you, you know, a desire to have a promotion at work, to, to, to make more money. Maybe it's to get married. Maybe you're single and you're just like waiting for that right guy or right girl to come in your life. Maybe it's for your kids to behave. You just struggle. Your kids never mind you. Or maybe your kids are adult children and, and your hope and prayer is that they follow Jesus in, in their adult life. Maybe your desire is just to have kids. You've been wanting kids, but somehow that is not coming your way. Maybe it's to own a house. You've been running forever and you, you just would love to own a house. Just think of something that you're just like, man, I just wish this would happen for me. Now just, just get that image in your mind, get that idea in your mind, and now what I want you to do is how do you feel when other people get that very thing that you want? If you're single and you've been wanting to marry and you go on your Instagram feed and there's your best friend showing off her engagement and going, I get him married. And you're like, you suck. <laughs> and there's something inside of you just like, that's my best friend. But right now I just want to unfriend them. I want to, I don't want to be around them. Or, or you've just been struggling and you're paycheck to paycheck and you've been educated. You got all of these letters behind your name, all this education. And everyone told you from when you were little, like if you just get educated, you're going to make a lot of money. And here is your high school buddy who never attended one college class in his life. And he's making $100,000 more a year than you are. And now you have student debt on top of that. You're like, you suck, dude. You're, I'm just mad at you. That, what, what is that anger? What is that boiling? That's envy. That's what we want to talk about because what Paul is saying here is when that is alive inside of you, it is a stumbling block from you becoming the outrageous lover that Jesus has called you to be. You cannot walk in the love that God wants you to walk in and be envious at the same time. This is why this is such an important topic for us to look at. Because as I'm describing this stuff, some of you are waking up for the first time to the reality that envy is alive and well in your heart. 
But let me give you the good news, you're not alone. Because I would say that more people are battling this than want to admit about it. And I know this from my own life as I sometimes will go to pastor conferences and I don't wanna just negate the amazing miracle of what's happening here for our church that is like one years old. But you go to a pastor's conference and you, you talk to another church planner that you know, just started a year ago and we're celebrating. We have like you know, 400, 500 people that are part of our new church. And then you get this guy that gets up on stage and goes, we started our church last year and we got 5,000 people. It's amazing. I go, you suck. <laughs> like, what is that? I'm a pastor. I shouldn't be doing that. So I know like that, that's something that, that is inside of me. Two years ago, my wife and I celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. I mean, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, come on, somebody. That was all. Yeah. But see, I have a romantic side in me. And so I'm, I, I had this planned four years before the anniversary. And, and so I had saved money so that I could take our family to Maui and we could renew our vows on the beach at Maui. Then I went as far as to find this Polynesian pastor that played the ukulele and, and he could officiate uh, the renewing of the vows. I mean, I went to a lot of work, man. And, and so there was the beach at sunset on our, you know, uh, this, this anniversary of, of our wedding day. And it's just a beautiful moment. And we have a photographer out there taking pictures. And so later that day, I uploaded the pictures to Facebook, and something crazy happened. Now, Facebook limits you to 5,000 friends, and because I've done ministry in a lot of different cities and, and, and we, we've been a part of large churches, I limit, I, I, I've reached my limit on Facebook. I have like 5,000 friends. And I noticed within 30 minutes of posting this picture of us in Maui having this amazing service, 10 friends unfriended me. And say, how did you notice that? Well, I happened to be on Facebook and all of these uh, friend confirmations, like a friend request started coming in. I don't get those because I'm maxed out on my friends. But I started doing the math here and I started seeing that, wait a minute, that all happened after I posted that picture. So maybe somebody out there was like, well, why is a pastor in Hawaii? Why? Why am I not in Hawaii? Why am I not married? And they looked at me and said, Pastor, you suck. <laughs> and they unfriended me. I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, and, I, and I, I hope that doesn't offend you by me saying that, but that's kind of what our hearts are saying. So why can't I just say it and speak it out? Because that's what your heart is saying. You may have not pronounced it, but some of you, you may have unfriended somebody over this. You may, you may have just, just harbored something against that person, and that person has done nothing against you. You have just been witnessing favor in their life, and what happens when you have favor, there gives birth to this evil twin sister of favor, and she's called envy. So whenever you see this amazing favor pop up, envy is right there trying to dictate the situation. Now, it's dangerous. Check this other proverb out. If you let it fester, it's, it's one thing that we're, we're like 
like tuning you in maybe to something going on in your heart that you, you weren't paying attention to, if you don't do anything with this, this can become a major dilemma in your life and cause major destruction. Proverbs 27 verse four says, anger is cruel and destructive, but it's nothing compared to jealousy or envy. Like envy is some ugly stuff. Matter of fact, it was Shakespeare that first called envy the green-eyed monster. This is where we get our phrase that you're green with envy. It came from the Shakespearean quote of the green-eyed monster because it's so destructive. Now, the Bible, I was gonna give you an example from the Old Testament, and the Bible is full of examples of destruction of relationship after relationship because envy got into the relationship. I was gonna pick one. I was like, wow, I started going through this list and it was right out the gate. Second generation, there is murder in the Bible over what? Envy. Cain and Abel both are giving their worship to God and somehow Cain is looking over at his brother and sees that God was hugging him a few extra seconds more than God hugged him. And he's like, why didn't God hug me like that? Why didn't God give me some favor like that? And he got mad at his brother, took his brother out for a walk the next day and killed him. That was, that was right there. Second generation of humanity were murdering each other over envy. Matter of fact, envy has such a stronghold on the human heart that God said, I'm gonna make this my top, one of my top 10 things to avoid doing as a human. He says, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't covet your neighbor's stuff. In other words, don't mind what your neighbor has. Just look at what I've given you. Don't pay attention to that. Don't desire it. Don't want it. Because ultimately, if you continue to do that, it's gonna destroy your life. You read about Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers because they were envious over their little brother that dad loved him more than he loved them. You have Jacob and Esau, these brothers that were fighting each other over the blessing that Jacob became envious over Esau. And then they flipped the script. And now that Jacob got the blessing, Esau became envious of Jacob. And you still see a remnant effect of the struggle of Esau and Jacob within the tribalism of the Middle East conflict. That is, that is still going on today, all because of why? Envy that dates back to the Esau and Jacob dilemma. It's crazy. Saul, who was the king of Israel, had this young warrior raise up in the ranks, and his name was David. And David had a parade in his honor because he killed the giant. And Saul heard this parade saying Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. And something was birthed in Saul that day and said, I want David dead. David later does this his, his own way and he becomes envious over his son. King Ahab, another king of Israel, he has an issue. He desires to have some property and the property owner says, hey man, this is my property and Ahab sends his wife basically to do his dirty work and kills Naboth. And so Naboth dies all because Ahab was envious over some property that his neighbor had. What does this all tell us? That envy is some very, very dark and evil stuff if you let it fester. Matter of fact, the very reason Jesus ended up on the cross by the religious leaders of his time was envy. 
It's right here in our Bibles. Check this out. Matthew chapter 27. It says, so when the people gathered together, Pilate said to them, whom do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ. So here, Pilate has these two guys, Jesus, who had no guilt on him. Barabbas, who was a criminal, charged in the very act of inciting riots. And check it, check it out. He says, for Pilate knew that it was because of envy they had handed Jesus over to him. Envy is what led the religious leaders to have Jesus arrested and then later crucified. This is why we need to talk about it. Envy is killing some of you tremendously in your lives. I feel as I was praying over this two weeks ago, knowing that we were gonna be talking about this, I feel like I got a prophetic word that envy is doing more damage in your life than you care to admit. Here's some of the things that envy is doing. It's killing your relationships. It's killing the peace that God wants you living in. It's killing the future promises that God is wanting to unleash into your life. And it's primarily killing your ability to be the outrageous lover that Christ has called you to be. It's blocking that from happening. So instead of letting envy kill us, we gotta figure out how we can kill envy. And I wanna give you the three things that I've learned how to kill the envy that wants to kill me and wants to kill you. So write this down. Here's the three things that I've learned over the years that I, I know will help you kill the envy before it ultimately kills you. The first thing is stay satisfied. Stay satisfied. We're not talking about a Snickers bar. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about allowing your soul to be so filled with the presence of God, it doesn't matter what you don't have in your life. If your neighbor has something that you want, you're like, it doesn't matter to me because I, I, I feel like I have everything I need and I feel completely whole because Jesus is in my life. Now, Paul talks about this in one of the letters he writes to the church at Philippi. He's in prison, mind you. He's incarcerated. And he writes this letter to the Philippian church. And this is what he says about this idea of being satisfied. He says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then he says this, every MMA fighter has this tattooed on their body somewhere. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Yeah. Go give me strength. I'm going to punch that guy in Jesus' name. The context of this verse is Paul is saying, hey, I, I know what it feels like to look over at my friend and see him have something that I really have been praying for to happen in my life. I, I know that feeling. I, I know what that feels like. He says, I've learned. Highlight that verse if, if you have it in your Bibles, opened up in your Bible. Hi, he learned how to do this. He learned to be content. And the way he learned it is that he found that if he is moving his life through Christ, he can move his life through any space, including the space of envy that wants to destroy him. 
This is what he's talking about. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus talks about this idea. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them, who are them, his followers, a rich and satisfying life. That the the presence of God has the capacity to fill your soul up to where even when you still want something, it's not going to be a friendship breaker when your friend gets it and you don't. It's kind of like this picture that my friend Scotty got for me here, all right? So here we have a cup and we have a pitcher full of water. Now see, every day when you wake up, when I wake up, we have this cup and it's sitting by our bedside. And every night as we're sleeping, even though you might've went to bed and this cup was full, every, night, every morning when you wake up, this cup is empty. Because we live in a broken world, everything is just kind of leaking out of us. All, all the God qualities as we're sleeping, it's just leaking out of us. So we have to intentionally live in such a way. And Paul learned how to do this, that every morning we're making time and we're filling our life up to the brim so that we're full. See, what happens when you're walking around in life with the full cup and you find out somebody has something that you would like to have, you're looking at your life going, but my life is full. Even if I wanted to take that, I don't, I don't feel like I can accept that because my life is already full. See, here, here's, the, here's the battle. We live in a country that the whole economical system is predicated on you being discontent with what you have so that you'll go out there and buy some more things and, and make the economy continue to go. Now, I'm not knocking our economy. I'm not saying it's, we're, we're in an evil country. That's not the point I'm, I'm making here. But you need to know that, that this dissatisfaction is rooted in discontentment. And what Paul is speaking to us is your discontentment goes away when you intentionally fill your life up with the presence of God found in Jesus Christ, you walk around with the full cup. Matter of fact, in another translation in John 10, 10, it uses the word abundantly. That word in the Greek translates mean overflowing life. So think about that. When you fill your life up with Jesus, it's just to the brim. When I walk around, I'm already spilling it a little bit just because you're so full, it just spills. And I don't know how many of you have ever been working outside here on a hot day. And you guys, again, you know, you suck to say that you are hot when it's 80 degrees outside. I'll tell you hot. 113 in August in Vegas. And I've been working outside in the heat in Las Vegas in the summertime to where I will go inside literally and I will drink any liquid that I find in my refrigerator. I don't care what it is. One time I didn't even pay attention and I was like drinking milk and I was like, you know, but at least I was just like, I was, when you're that thirsty, you will drink whatever you come across in the refrigerator that's liquefied. And this is the whole point is that when we're going around with empty cups and and we hear friends have stuff and we hear that that these people have this thing and we're like looking at our empty cup going, well, I feel like my life will be fulfilled if I have what they have. And so because I don't have it and they have it and I feel like, matter of fact, I deserve it more than they deserve it, then now I'm mad at them. 
Now I've got this thing festering inside of me that I don't want them to be a part of my life because I feel I deserve something they have more than they do. But if my cup is full, that, I don't go there. I'm like, I'm perfectly good. Matter of fact, I can rejoice with them over the favor that they're experiencing because I'm looking at my cup and it's full. This is what I believe David was referencing in Psalm 23. Remember, Psalm 23, the most popular psalm in our Bibles, more read than any other psalm out of the 150 psalms we learned that this summer. He says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, right out the gate, he's saying, I'm content. And then in verse five, this is what I want you to, to lean into. It says, my cup overflows. What is he saying? I'm content and I'm living my life in such a way that I'm full. And so guess what? When I get to walk around, I just like, hey man, what's going on? Yeah, you're doing good. You, yeah, yeah. You're like, dude, you're splashing all over. I don't mean to. But this is what Jesus was alluding to, saying, when you fill your life up with me, you're going to have a splash effect where everyone that comes around you, you need to warn them that they're in the soak zone. I'm going to warn you, I'm full of Jesus, and you're going to get some soaking right now because I'm going to splash on you. I'm going to splash some love. And let me tell you, there's some people in the Conejo Valley that need to be splashed. But instead of being envious... You're going to be full of love that is actually going to have an effect. Now, how do you do that? Do you just like, is this behavior modification? Like, you just need to stop being envious, and then you'll be okay. Just stop being envious. No, this, this, is, this is organic. This happens. Envy gets pushed out of your life automatically as heaven gets pushed into your life. This, look, look at this. First Peter chapter 2. Where'd you get this water, Scotty? Is it... Okay, all right. Because I was like, I, I'm kind of thirsty. <laughs> Thank you, bro. I was like... From the irrigation pump outside, yeah. First Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and what, church? Envy. Envy. And all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So you will grow out of envy as you grow into your salvation. The more heaven that fills your cup, the more envy gets pushed out of your life. This is where devotions come in. This is where opening your Bible and just reading daily and just every time you're reading the word, what's happening is you're filling your cup up. This is where worship music, playing worship music as you're driving to work and, and you're filling your cup up. This is where life groups come in, where you're circling up with other believers and, and they're encouraging you as you're battling whatever it is going on in your life. All of these mechanisms that we have put intentionally out there for you to be a part of is so that you can live life with a full cup. I like this one author, he said it this way. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I like that quote. And the glorification of God through you is basically you putting God on display with your life. So God is best put on display in your life the more that you are full of God in your soul. Here's the second point, that is stay grateful. So we gotta uh, stay satisfied, we Stay grateful for what you do have. 
Here's what is horrible because we're always reminded about what we don't have. We're always complaining about what we don't have and we, we stop paying attention to what we do have. Let me tell you a truth about your life. You have some good stuff happening in your life. I know you got some terrible stuff too. How do I know that? Because I have good stuff and I have terrible stuff. I'm just like you. But the more you celebrate the good stuff, the easier it is to rejoice with those who rejoice. Because you're reminding your soul all the time, you know what? I may not have that, but I have this. I may not have this going on, but man, I, I, God, I want to celebrate this. Some of you woke up today, you didn't have a pain in your body, and you just got up, and you just got to church, and you're like, I, I don't have anything good in my life. You know, you know how many people in this room would just go crazy to wake up without any pain in their bodies? They, and just, you need to celebrate the fact that you got up, and you're like, oh, it's a good day, you know? That's, celebrate that. I walked up my stairs the other day. We got a, an apartment that's got like two different levels, and I was, I, I was like, like, man, I'm like, I have all these stairs. But then I just paused and I was like, why are you kidding me? Lord, thank you for my legs and my health that I can go up and down the stairs and get my exercise and get my steps in today. I'm just thankful for the space that I'm in. The more grateful you are, the less envious you will be towards other people. I want you right now, I want to do a little homework. I just want to take a notepad, take your phone out to open your notepad. And I just want you to type in or write down something that you need to celebrate that's good in your life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's just the fact that, you know, you, you have a, a place to live. But celebrate those things. Don't let the good things go unnoticed. Matter of fact, Ecclesiastes says, it is better to see what you have than to want more. Wanting more is useless. It's like chasing the wind. I like that. Here's the third, and this is kind of a funny one. Stay in your lane, bro. <laughs> Stay in your lane. What does that mean? Stop comparing your battle and your fight and your race with the person next to you. Their battle, their fight, their race is completely unique. And the more that you compare your life to their life, the more dissatisfied and resentful you're going to become about your life against their life. Because here's what happens, especially on social media. Social media really amplifies this. Because here's what happens. When you're looking at people's feeds on Instagram, you're looking at their highlight reel. And what happens is you know you're behind the scenes. So you're comparing your low life moments to their highlight reel. And it be, makes you dissatisfied. I didn't get to go to Maui for my vacation. I, I, I didn't, you know, get keys to a new house in my life. And so all of this stuff starts happening. You start comparing yourself. And what happens is you inevitably get this place of jealousy and envy towards that person. Can you imagine how different the story would have been with Cain and Abel? If Cain wouldn't have paid attention to how God was giving his brother favor. If Cain would have just paid attention to his narrative, the way God was blessing him, and the way God, because God was giving him favor. The problem became when Cain looked over at the other lane and saw Abel over here getting that little extra hug, getting that little extra favor, 
and Cain began saying, why didn't I get that? If Cain had just stared up instead of staring to his side, he would have never faced this disaster of killing his brother. I'm convinced of it. It's all because he looked to his side instead of looking up where the favor was coming from. We've got to stop comparing the narrative of our lives with the narratives of our neighbors, the narratives of our other family members. You have a unique battle. You have a unique fight. You have a unique life that is different than them. And you need to know that, that their, their life is their life and your life is your life. And you're just going to stay in your lane. And they're being blessed right now, but guess what? If you keep serving God, if you keep following Jesus, your blessing is coming, your favor is coming. It may not come in the exact same way that their favor came, but let me mark my word that God's promises are yes and amen. And as you continue to pursue him, and as you continue to follow him, that blessing and that favor and that promise is going to come for your life. Mark my word, my friends. So stay in your lane, bro. (laughs) Or sis for that matter. I'll have the worship team come up. And do you, do you guys get how serious this conversation is? This is serious business. I'm saving relationships today. I, I, I'm healing and, and restoring relationships today. Not me, but God's speaking through me on this subject of envy because some of you have woken up for the first time in your life that this is a problem and it needs to be dealt with. So as we worship right now, as we talk about God, as we, we celebrate what Jesus has done for our life, maybe some of you for the first time need to come up here, take communion, and, and for the, maybe the very first time, be filled with Jesus and let him satisfy your cup. Because nothing else in this world will do it. No matter how many toys you buy, no matter how much money you make, no matter how many followers you get, It's all going to be like chasing the wind because the only way that discontentment leaves your life is when you find perfect contentment in Jesus. So let's stand together and let's worship. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.